still working on our segues, I think. <laughs> hey, so I'm looking forward to hearing from Jeremy. It's great having you back, but um, um, we have been doing this series. We are doing this series called On the Road with Jesus. We're walking our way through Luke and really keen for us. We're kind of committed to read through, um, scripture through community, to read through scripture in community, so that we're all reading the same thing at the same time and thinking about it. So if you've got a Bible handy, open it up. Um, but just before you do, a little bit of a, it's, it's been a really weird week for me. Um, briefly, um, what was the language? Uh, Lynn talked about strangely dim, and just for a brief moment I thought, I've been strangely dim this week. Just because there's been lots of stuff going on, and uh, I've been... Um, there's been contractors coming out and asking questions, and what are we doing about lights here and there, the other, and I'm trying not to muddy the waters, but not necessarily succeeding. We've been finding odd things in cupboards, which clearly must be going along with the losing odd things, like claw hammers, and you know, we'll open a cupboard and there they all are. We've, uh, and I've been selling the treasures of the church. I sold on Trade Me that garage door. There's an old sound desk over here, which um, will sell. It's, uh, someone has bid enough because we don't use them. Um, and unearthing things. That keyboard over there, gosh, it's been a, a job to figure out if, if it's um, usable. It's been sitting in a cupboard for um, four years. Um, and, you know, it, it's been a strange thing. But I kind, of, I kind of liked the fact that I'm selling some of the things of the church. Because just for a brief moment, I feel like my favorite saint you may have heard me talk about this guy before, because I, I, and I know Baptist churches aren't big on saints, but this guy, he, he qualifies. This is St. Lawrence. Can you see him in the picture? He's, um, he was the archdeacon uh, arch of Rome and responsible for all the material goods of the church about 250 years after Jesus. And uh, what happened is that it wasn't a time when the church was, this is before Constantine, so the church is getting persecuted. There's, and uh, what happens is the prefect of Rome comes to him and says, right, mate, I need you to give all the treasures of the church to Rome. It's for us, not for you. So he goes out and he says, look, can I have three days? Because I've got to get it sorted. And in the next three days, he takes all the treasures of the church and he sells them. And he gives the money to the poor. And uh, three days later, of course, it comes up. This is like a great TV series. Uh, but he gets the prefect of Rome round, and you know, um, what he's done is he's gathered all the poor of Rome, all the beggars and the um, people who don't have. And he says to the prefect of church, here they are. These guys are the treasures of the church. I don't know about you. Style. Um, can you guess what happens next? Uh, yeah, he, gets, he gets slowly, and in fact, so he is actually, for this, for this task, he is the patron saint of librarians, just in case there's any librarians here. But what happens next is he gets barbecued over a slow fire. Yep, yep, pretty, pretty nasty, those things. And uh, actually, they call it a griddle. And, and, but, you know, the legend is that when he's been there for a few hours, he fronts up and he says, you need to turn me over, this side is done. <laughs> For which he has become the patron saint of comedians. <laughs> have to confess, I have felt a bit nervous about selling things in the church, just in case there's barbecues. No, um, so we're on committed to reading the Bible in community. And what I love about St. Lawrence is he got something right about God's value for the poor, right? for those that don't have. That really matters. And, you know, church, we've got mixed track record on that. Something I think Lawrence got right. Now, in Luke, 
Instead of having a Sermon on the Mount, there's a Sermon on the Plain. Did, how many people didn't know that? Just curious? Lots? Fair number? And most of us don't know it because we prefer the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. We like it better. It's, um, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew is inspiring and a little bit life-twisting because he takes the values that we have and turns them on their head. And the reason we prefer Matthew is that Luke is life-twisting and confronting. So I think this is an uncomfortable passage, and I'm keen for us to read it. And I think that Luke would suggest that Lawrence got it right. So I'm going to read this, but I'd quite like us to read together the bit where the, his words. So I'll just read this bit. He went down with them and stood... So this is Luke chapter 6, verses 17 onwards. He went down with them and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and, all the coast, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled with impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to cut, touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Well, we like that bit, don't we? Like us some of that. And then he looks, lots of people there, he looks at his disciples and he said, Now, would you mind reading this with me? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of God. Oops, this is in that day. And leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Okay, I'll just go back for a moment. Is this what we like to believe? No. We believe the blessed ones are the rich. The ones who have it. That's, and that's who do we do? Who, who's hankering to God bring on poverty to me? That a common prayer? Could you strip me of what I have, please, God? I really want to be hungry and not satisfied. We don't pray this, do we? Okay, he's turning it on its head. There's a little bit more. And uh, uh, no apologies, these are harsh words if you think that you are well off. Okay? So if you feel some discomfort, could you read this with me? But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Okay, I've said we don't like to read this, and I don't think we do. Um, he's looking directly at the disciples, and the pattern that Jesus uses here is similar to when Moses is handing out the law. There's a couple of places in Deuteronomy where he says, here's a series of blessings and a series of cursings. And, and there's actually, this is going on here, the bless, is a blessings, the first bit, blessed to the poor, and the second bit is woe to, a kind of a cursing in that. And he's, it is provoking in Matthew, we prefer it because in Matthew, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we can go, oh, 
I may have lots of stuff, but I can be poor in spirit. But there's no sugarcoating here in Luke's version. Blessed are the poor, the hungry, the persecuted, the don't-haves. Blessed because of their lack. Blessed because they're willing to be hated and rejected. Blessed because the blessing is coming. Um, one translation says, they'll get the last laugh. You know when there's a pranking war? You know, in the first laugh, the last laugh is the final one. They'll get the last laugh, they'll get rewarded later. And the rich, well, they're cursed because they can't free themselves from the love of possessions and the love of comfort and the love of status. They're the ones, when we have it all, we are more inclined to feel self-satisfied and self-sufficient. We're more likely to say, my barns are full, shall I build some more? Why does Jesus say this? Ah, oh, well, he doesn't explain, but my guess is we are blessed when we know we need Jesus. See, when we're aware of our poverty, aware that we do not have enough. And these disciples who are just starting to follow Jesus and they don't know what he's on about, he's telling them now, you're not going to get it all now. Um, and it is difficult for us, I think, because we observe and we want to tell people, you meet Jesus and you will be better off. And it's true, you will be better off if you meet Jesus. I, I, one of the be- I had a great day this week when I actually got to talk with a couple of people about Jesus. And they were excited and I was excited. And I wish that was normal. Um, because Jesus is really good. But we never get to be more than just beggars who know where to go for food. Always reliant on God. Always reliant on looking to God for grace and love and acceptance. And the tension is that we want to tell other people that we're rich. And physically, actually, we are because of what God has given us. But we're still poor because we still need. Our tension is that we come to Jesus to be healed and God heals. But we still carry brokenness. It goes on. I found this in my, uh, I have a prayer book I work through, and this was one of the prayers this week. Lord, teach us the distinction between the brokenness that, come, that leads us to squander our gifts and the brokenness that leads us to seek and find you, even in the most desolate places. This kind of sense that you come to Jesus, Jesus will heal you, but there's still some brokenness in us because we need to rely on Jesus. To lean on Jesus. In a few moments, Anita's going to come and share a story of a family that's got to do with uh, poverty. Yep. Um, and then Jeremy's going to come and talk. And, and he doesn't know I'm going to say this, but actually Jeremy's been off um, doing a YWAM DTS and then spent uh, a month in Tauranga House of, House of Prayer. Yep. And then he's been over, I'm not stealing from his thunder, and he's been off to Mongolia um, with another YWAM team. Now, he could have done an OE, and he could have gone and uh, earned money in England or all sorts of other things. Uh, what he's done is cost him a whole heap of money. And one of the things I was thrilled about in terms of what Jeremy's done is uh, one of the, he went and did, uh, their team went to Papua New Guinea. And uh, where he didn't stay was with the rich people. Um, he got to hung, hang with the poor to see the lack and to see what they're rich in. Um, and... 
it is really tempting. What is difficult about these verses for many of us is that we live in the Western world. Most of us aren't hungry all the time. Most people here know where their next meal is coming from. Yep, we, uh, most of us have roofs over our head. Uh, we're not, we may be poor in the New Zealand status, but we're not really that poor. Um, one of the general guidelines, if, you've ever, if, you in your, if you have a job and you can plan when you take your holiday leave, that is a, and you might go away for your holiday, that is a sign of riches. If you know where your next meals are coming from, that is a sign of riches. So we're rich, and actually we should feel some discomfort when we read this. We really should. We should kind of go, oh. So I threw up this prayer because I'm going to get Anita to come and speak and then head of Jeremy. But I was thinking about this for me. And so I wrote a version of that prayer about brokenness. Lord, rescue us from the riches which make us self-sufficient and self-obsessed. And lead us to the poverty that leads us to seek and find you. Make us quick to give, quick to serve, quick to love, even in the most desolate places where we find you. Sound all right? I wondered if we could pray that together. And then, Anita, if you'd like to come up and just tell us your story, and then we'll head over and Jeremy, looking forward to it. And after Jeremy speaks, we'll uh, um, take communion, okay? Should you pray this with me? Lord, rescue us from the riches that makes us self-sufficient and self-obsessed, and lead us to the poverty that leads us to seek and find you. Make us quick to give, quick to serve, quick to love, even in the most desolate places where we find you. Amen. Anita. Hi, everyone. I wanted to share a story um, that happened this week. Um, it's about a family. There are two parents and three children. Um, and I, I've known them for years over about the last five, six years, since a little bit after the earthquake. They're a family who've, um, the father's lost his job. They've uh, slept all in one room at one stage because they couldn't afford to put heating in the rest of the house. They've struggled for food, so we've blessed them with food parcels. Um, and about a year ago, uh, they've had real struggles with the younger son trying to get him to stay at school, and so the father's given up his job that he managed to get so that they could journey with him through school. And so the mother didn't have a job at the time and they were in serious debt and um, came to me and said, can you help? And so I got hold of Bill. <laughs> and Bill has journeyed with his family for the last year. Um, and they about five months ago, the father was hit um, in a car by a bus, and basically the car was written off. And so the last five months through winter, they haven't had a vehicle, and they've walked the kids to school in the rain and the hail, and, the, and um, they've struggled. But through it all, they have loved each other and cared for each other. And on this week, the mum came to me in the supermarket and said about taking the, going to see the youngest perform in a school thing, and they had no way of getting there 
could I help? Do I know anyone that could help them? And I said, sure, I'll take you, no problem. And she was like, oh, are you sure, you're sure? And yep, no worries. And then, so on the day, um, I get a text from the father and he says, I've got some really good news to share with you. Can't wait to see you. So we, I go around to pick the mum up to take her into this event. And um, <clears throat> I was thinking, oh, maybe he's got a job. Maybe they've been given some money. Or, you know, I couldn't believe what, you know, I didn't know, couldn't know. And so I went round and he said, um, today we celebrate being debt free. We've paid off all our debts. It's taken them 12 months of hard slog, um, times when they've missed out on food so the kids can eat. And you don't expect that in this community. You don't expect families to be struggling so much they can't afford to treat the children to an ice cream or say maybe Subway like everyone else at school um, who can't send them to a sports because they can't afford the fees. You expect this community to be quite well off. Um, so I was thrilled that they um, won a debt free. I celebrated with them, it was so exciting. And I was thrilled for them. Then they tell me in the next breath that um, they're going to be able to get a loan to pay off, to buy a new car, which won't be new for them, but it'll be to replace the car they've had wrecked. And um, then in the next breath, and we're going to donate. We're going to sell the wrecked car to the wreckers and everything they get from that, they're going to give to our church. And I, was, I had a little cry then because I kind of said, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. You need the money for your family. Not, not, we don't need it. We don't, we're a wealthy church. Um, and, you know, but I was blessed out of my socks that in their poverty, they want to bless us. They're grateful for what we as a church have done for them and as a family. And I, I think that's just an awesome testimony. It might be $20, but they want to give it to us for our building repairs. And I think that's an awesome testimony to, yeah, and probably they have overcome and um, they still want to give back even while they are still not rich. All right, Jeremy, your turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Mike's right. We should recognise that Bill has worked with his family for the last year, and um, without him working with them, we, you know, they wouldn't be where they are now. So thank you, Bill. As an aside, Bill partly has done it. He's done some stuff with Kingdom Resources, who've been involved in the journey. If anyone is interested in training to be a Kingdom Resources Budget Advisor, we would love that. Yep, because it's taken the lovely, one of the cool things about that story is actually lots of different strands. It's not just one person, it's a spirit God working through a number. My guess is that's how God's working. Jeremy, welcome. Welcome back. So, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> Yeah, it's been about nine months. Um, so there are a few new faces here. So um, yeah, if you don't know, my name is Jeremy and um, I've been a part of this community, oh gosh, about, I'd say about 12, 13 years. So a wee while. Um, and yeah, I have recently returned from about nine months of uh, missions work with uh, Youth of Mission. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, before I uh, get into that, um, I guess what I've been doing 
the whole year. Recently, I um, came back from uh, Mongolia, um, which was a, a secret location that I um, put in that um, newsletter. Um, and first of all, I just want to say like a huge thank you to everybody here for partnering with me, like through prayer, through finances, because it was it's honestly it's only because of the support of everybody here that I was actually able to go. Um, before prior to the missions trip, I needed about two thousand dollars in uh, three days um, to be able to go. And um, yeah, like. Uh, through you guys and um, through um, some other people, yeah, the Lord provided every single dollar. So, yeah, it's just a testament to your generosity and just, yeah, what the Lord's able to do. So, um, yeah, so um, what we um, what I did in Mongolia, um, we were there as part of a um, uh, Bible distribution um global Bible distribution um, initiative that had been set up by um, YWAM um, internationally. And um, we were in the uh, Gobi Desert for 10 days and we um, did something that you uh, is quite often frowned upon in New Zealand. And we actually went uh, around with uh, local Mongolians partnering for local church and we went around uh, door to door uh, knocking on people's houses. Um, which at first I was like, oh great, we're no better than Jeho the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> um, that actually works a lot better um, outside of Western culture. Um, so um, within the 10 days of our Bible distribution, um, we had um, over 700 families accept Bibles. We had about um, 30 salvations that we know about, and we had some incredible healings. Like we had one lady that was completely healed of deafness. We had um, another lady that was healed of blindness. We had some, <laughs> yeah, some incredible stories, um, which, yeah, I'll get into some more of those later. <coughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, it was about January, um, yeah, it was towards the end of January that I, um, that I left um, to go join YWAM. So um, for those of you that don't know, uh, YWAM stands for Youth for Permission, um, and it's an organisation which is all about, um, yeah, just recruiting um, young people and also not, not so young people um, to, yeah, just really invite them into, um, yeah, just knowing who God actually is and then, like, actually sending them out into the missions, like, knowing God and making God known is kind of, like, their slogan. Um, so I did the um, I did this um, school called a Discipleship Training School, um, and what that looked like was we had uh, 12 weeks of what we call lecture phase, and that was um, really 12 weeks of... Um, I guess teaching about like God and like different aspects of God, like the far heart of God, God's character and nature, hearing God's voice, and also things like missions and um, like the Holy Spirit and like the, all that sort of stuff. So each week we would look at um, a different aspect of God, um, and yeah, it was really just about like knowing God. Not not it wasn't like theological teaching like for the sake of knowledge, but actually like heart teaching about knowing who God is and who we are in Christ. And then, um, yeah, after that, we had an outreach phase. So I spent uh, 10 weeks in uh, Papua New Guinea um, with my outreach team. And so we, yeah, we, um, we had a 10 weeks um, mission trip there. Um, and yeah, I want to share a couple of stories about um, what happened, um, what, yeah, some of the things that the Lord did in Papua New Guinea. So I guess, hmm, yeah, but before I get into that, one of the questions that I, um, I wrestled with with God like right throughout the lecture phase and I guess throughout my whole time um, in my DTS was how much do I actually believe God is who he says he is? Like how much do I actually believe that the God in the Bible is the same God like today? He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Like we all say that, right? And we all believe that. Um, but how much for me, I had to ask myself how much do I actually believe that in more ways than one? 
I would hear stories of um, incredible things like happening. Like you, we've we've probably heard like we've all heard like a couple of testimonies of um, I don't know um, people that we know going through like incredible circumstances. Um, like there's one there's one guy I heard of that he felt like the Lord um, called him to go to India and uh, he ended up going to the airport with no ticket and no money and long story short he ends up in a um, he w- he walks into this toilet cubicle and then the next thing <laughs> the ne- next thing he knows he walks out and he's in India which seems absolutely crazy right. But in the um, in the Bible in the book of Acts we know the story of Philip right the, um, that Philip um, he was was on the way and he um, he ended up. Um, God basically teleported them to the city he was going to. I can't remember what story, what city it was. Um, but point being is that I was hearing stories like this, and I was like, "Well, God, I know. I believe, when I read in the book of Acts that you did that to Philip, when I read when I read that Jesus, when you heal people, when you heal the sick, they get healed. But I don't necessarily see that happen. And I don't necessarily do. I actually believe that you're capable of doing the same things. That you're willing to do the same things. And so I was hearing stories and people that. Claim to have seen incredible things and claimed that, yeah, God has done this and God had done that. And I actually, I don't know, like the more I heard about that, like I got angry because I was like, God, no, this stuff just doesn't happen. Like, God, this doesn't happen. Like we read, we read about it in the Bible and, but like, I don't know, actually know if I believe that you're willing to do the same things. And it was more, more so than that. I didn't actually really fully understand who God was. Not that any of us do. But, yeah, I, you could say that I had some trust issues with God. <laughs> like, how much do I trust that you are faithful, God, that, like, if you step out and you tell me to do this, if you step out and tell me to pray for this person, how much do I actually believe that, like, you're willing to heal this person? And so I, in, more, in many, many ways, I wrestled with this question. How, yeah, how much do I actually believe God is who he says he is? And I guess as a result of that, in our time in Papua New Guinea, we saw uh, throughout the ministry that um, that we were doing, like we saw the Lord do some incredible things. There was one lady that um, she came up to us after we were doing some ministry, and she had one eye that was completely blind. She got into a, um, a fight with her husband. Uh, she had an abusive husband for quite a while, um, and her husband threw a pot of boiling water on her face, and it completely blinded her eye for years. And we were just we had done this ministry where we were talking about like Jesus our healer and like um, yeah Jesus the one who came to heal came to save that that sort of thing. And she comes up and she asks us if we can pray for her, if we can pray for her eye, um, because she believed in faith. She believed that uh, Jesus is able to do that. And yeah, so we prayed for her, and um, at first nothing really happened. Like she went away, and we continued about our ministry. And then about 40 minutes later, she comes running back to us, and she's just completely filled with joy. And she's like, guys, like, guess what's happened? And we're like, what, what's happened? And she's like, I can see again. But like, it's even more than that. Like, um, she, she said that the Lord had given her a vision where she, was, um, she had this uh, spiritual blindness. She wasn't able to see who God was. She wasn't able to see God's love for her. She wasn't able to, to see yeah, who he really was and who she really was as a daughter of God. But um, God had given her this vision where there was like an eye that was blinded on her heart, that he opened this eye, the spiritual eye on her heart, that she was able to see God's love for her in a completely new way. And also God's love for her husband as well. And actually not, but not just that, when God like, opened the spiritual eye in this um, picture that he gave her, he also healed her physical eye as well, and she was able to see like as clear as day. Um, 
where she'd only been able to see for one eye before, which is incredible. <laughs> and not only that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, glory to God, that's that's amazing. <laughs> no, not only that, we also saw um, there was, um, I kid you not, like we um, we saw people that, there was people that we prayed for that had one leg that was longer than the other, and like we'd pray for them and like, we'd seen their, their leg extend, we'd, <laughs> yeah, it was incredible, we would pray for people that had limps that couldn't walk properly, that could walk properly, there was people with deaf ears that were, um, yeah, their ears were um, open. Um, but my favourite, probably my, one of my favourite stories that I want to share is we were doing prison ministry one day, and uh, this one isn't actually a, a physical healing, but we were doing pres- um, prison ministry one day, and I was um, praying with this guy that was in there for attempted murder. And I was, and he, he told me his story, and I remember saying to him, I didn't actually ask him whether he um, killed this person or not. I said, look, whether you killed this person or not, that's between you and the Lord and you and the judges. But here's what I do know. I said, as far as I'm concerned, like even if you killed this person, in God's eyes, that doesn't change who you are in God's eyes. God still would have sent Jesus to die for you, and he still would have made a way for you, regardless of anything that you've done. And I said, that doesn't make murder okay. And I explained like the prob- yeah, what sin is and like yeah, what, what sin does and like that whole thing. Um, but I said, but, it got, but God's love for you doesn't change regardless of what you've done and what you could ever do. And so I, I don't exactly remember like what I said next. I just remember praying for him. And then at the end, this dude, he's just an absolute wreck. <laughs> and he says, and, he, and I just remember he said to me, it's like, I've, I can't remember the last time I felt God's love and I've never felt God's love like this before. And he says, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to live the way that I've been living ever again. And he just completely gave his life to God again. <laughs> Which, glory to God, it's what, and yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Romans, uh, in Romans 2, it talks about God's kindness is meant to lead, um, lead us to repentance, right? And I think that was just, that's just one, one example of that. So, yeah, yeah, so throughout all of this, I was just wrestling with the question, how much do I actually believe God is who he says he is? And I'm still wrestling, and I still wrestle with that question. I, I don't have a full understanding of who. I can't say I fully, yeah, believe and walk in knowing God is fully who He says He is. Like that's that's something that I'm still deal, dealing with. I think we all do. But yeah, what what I what I can say though is that yeah, God. God's faithfulness just—it's just completely blown me away. Whether it's been through healing people, um, just miraculously, whether it's been through providing means for me to go to Mongolia—I I don't know what it is. But um, if this, yeah, this this year has just been a year where not only have I seen, yeah, just some incredible things, but just to be able to, um, just to be able to walk with God and actually. Yeah, have a season where I can just fully pursue God and be like, Lord, here I am, send me. And then just to see the fruit of that, not just in my life, but actually more importantly in the kingdom. Because it's actually, it's not about, it's not about me whatsoever, but it's a, it's about being able to, um, to be a part of what God's doing in his kingdom and the privilege that it's been to actually go out and be, yeah, to go out and preach the gospel in his name, to be able to lay hands on, on people, to be able to declare the truth of Jesus is just, yeah, it's been incredible. <laughs> And so, yeah, just again, thank you so much just for every single one of you that has, yeah, partnered with me, either through prayer or through finances or just, yeah, whatever it's been. Yeah, thank you.
Before you went away, you said you kind of wanted to step out and find out how, what God was like. Yes. Yep. So if you were talking to your old Jeremy, the Jeremy of nine months ago, what would you want to say to him? Um, I would say you actually have no idea what God's like. No, not that I do now, but it's like you, you have no idea like how good he is and how big he is. And you're never really going to know, but you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, but it's going to be the second best decision you've ever made after following God. So Nice. Yeah. I wondered if you'd be willing to pray for us. Yep, because you've been away having these amazing experiences. And, and actually, we need to be, keep praying for Jeremy because one of the difficult things coming back from something like YWAM experiences is re-entering, uh, you don't want to call it ordinary life, but life that has a lot more routine and structure and that kind of stuff. And, and that's historically been tricky. Like, I, I think this is great. Personally, I, I want to say, if, if you're young and you're wondering about the whole God thing, one of the ways to find out is to step out. Yep. And that's how you find out you're actually God's there waiting, catching. You want to do that because then you're certain in your life. And if you never do it, you never. So I think it's brilliant. But there's a re-entry. So I'd like us to be praying for him. But would you pray for us? Um, before I pray, um, <clears throat> public speaking isn't exactly my um, <laughs> my forte, I, I guess. But I am. Um, I would absolutely love if there's anybody here that you know me and you want to actually find out more about what I've been doing. Um, my schedule's pretty clear, at least for the next week or so. So um, yeah, I would just love to catch up with anybody that wants to hear more about what I've been doing. Um, so I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but yeah, let's pray. <clears throat> yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for church, Lord. Thank you so much for community. Thank you so much that you've just called us all here, Lord, and that you call us your own. And just thank you so much that, yeah, just for the privilege it's about, it's, it is to be able to be back with my brothers and sisters here in Parklands, Lord. And so I just pray for us all, Lord, that, yeah, as we, um, as we continue on this journey of just pursuing you, Lord, and... Um, Yes, we continue on this journey of just, um, yeah, being in your ambassadors in this community, Father. I just, yeah, pray that you would just, um, yeah, continue to strengthen us, Lord. I pray that um, we would be able to, yeah, pursue you wholeheartedly, Lord, that our eyes would always be fixed on you regardless of the circumstances, Lord, that I pray that we'll be able to hear your voice, we'll be able to know your will, Lord, and I pray that we'll be able to step out in a, with obedience and boldness to be able to follow that, Father. And I just pray for every single person here that, yeah, you would just open their eyes even more so to your goodness lord and your kindness and just how yeah just just how big you are father and yeah i just pray that yeah it, it says in your word that yeah those that uh, those that seek you of a hungry heart you cannot deny father so yeah i just pray that we would just continue to seek you lord we would continue to pursue you lord and yeah we would just continue to just be rocked by how good you are father and so yeah i just pray that um yeah as we go into this next season with the building whatever it looks like that yeah we would just um as um yeah as lynn said that we would keep our eyes fixed on you father the author and perfecter of our faith and yeah, to you would be the glory, in Jesus' name. Thanks, Jeremy. Awesome. Hey, um, um, Kim's going to come and lead us in communion. Um, and, and actually, just a side bit, the, there's, they've done some research and evidence on people who do overseas missions trips and that kind of stuff. What they say is that people, if you have some dramatic experience in your life, you need to tell the story to other people about 13 times. So when our young adults go off and do brave things, do have them over for a meal. Get them to tell you the story. You're really helping them process. Yep, it's quite important. So, big ups. Welcome back, Jeremy. <laughs>